get over Ming's kingdom, we should land near the entrance of the abandoned drain tunnel. Our ship can be well concealed there. I remember the place. Hi, Barney here. Welcome to Loco Ludus, a podcast about DIY gaming in all of its tabletop forms. We are happening here right now in a car park where slushy snow is falling and I'm starting to feel a little bit cold. But that gives me the advantage of not sitting in some other public office space or classroom space or whatever it is. Uh, And so I have the feeling of my own personal studio in my own personal car. So, the big announcement, which is not going to be a big announcement, is that I hope that later today I'm going to be recording another exciting interview and also tomorrow a follow-up interview with Tom Barbelay. So, I really hope the interview later is going to happen and when it does, when it's in the bag, then I can share a bit more about who it's with. But I'm looking forward to that very much. This episode will continue with the Hammer Horror theme, but it'll start off with a bit on the AI I think, which has had some more nice feedback. So in the last episode, Jason of Nerds RPG Variety cast had given me some feedback and that has sparked a nice little bit of feedback from Colin Green, Mr. Spike Pitt, uh, which I I really appreciate. He's really zoned in on... What I was, what I've been trying to get at with that mechanic. So that's really interesting. So I'll just go ahead and play it. Hey Barney, I've been merrily listening away on Spotify to your podcast, and I just realised I hadn't favourited you on Anchor. So I've sorted that out now. Just wanted to chip in on the AI discussion you've been having, Jason Connolly called in and talked about using a random role to determine the actions of his thief. That's something I like to do myself when um, when I'm playing and, I'm, and I don't quite know how my character might act. Sometimes it's just fun. Pick up the dice and roll them. Much as you would do when GMing an NPC or a monster, making reaction rolls or similar morale checks, stuff like that. That kind of AI, whilst I've never looked at it as AI, I mean, it is basically that, as you say. Really enjoyed your discussion on it. Looking forward to hearing more. Take care. Catch you later. Following on from the AI discussion, Barney, you've been talking about constraint and the penny's just kind of dropped. I do this all the time in other creative endeavours. It's the classic design brief You've got a set of conditions and constraints governing how the uh, the project is to develop. Talking about development, I put voluntary constraints on my characters to make role-playing them easier. For example, a recent character of mine wouldn't use range weapons because he saw it as 
uh, cowardly. Now, there's nothing in the rules saying that he couldn't use ranged weapons, but I thought to, for, uh, it's an easy thing to hang your hook on, hang your hat on, to help you play that character in a flavourful way. So positive constraints, although limiting, can be beneficial at the same time. So thank you, Colin. That's absolutely the direction that I'm pushing in there. So in my first episode about AI, the AI constraint, I talked about constraints of limitation and constraints of possibility. And that's the that's the knife edge that we're talking about there that Colin, I think, is touching on. Now, I would say this. The constraint that Colin talks about at the end there, uh, where his character wouldn't use ranged weapons, that, to me, seems like a particular kind of constraint which we might call a taboo. Colin has placed a taboo on his character using ranged weapons. Now... That is absolutely a constraint. That's exactly the the field that I'm that I'm wanting us to talk about. So that's fantastic. What it does is it sets up in advance how the character will act. And in that sense they will always act in that same way. So what am I getting at there? That kind of makes the role playing easier. At the same time, as absolutely it makes it more flavourable. It adds variety to your players, your teams, or whatever. You know, if they all have a different taboo each, then they're going to need to dovetail themselves together in different ways. In different ways. They're going to have to think about how to dovetail themselves together as a team. Now, what I'm getting at with the on a one act on a two react, on a three remedy, and on a four assess, and on a five and a six choose any of the preceding, what I'm on about there is a variable constraint which responds to any given situation. So it's not a taboo in that sense. So let me just give another example. You the 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 players the players rush onto a beach trying to catch up with someone who is uh, sailing off and a cannonball shoots over and smashes into the cliffside and rocks start to tumble down. In that moment, the characters have to choose what they're going to do. Now, in the classic system... They just do whatever they want. And guess what that's going to be? It's going to be run. It's going to be take cover. It's going to be, I don't want to get hit by the rocks. If you chuck in the AI constraint, you could have people choosing to act, people choosing to react, which in that situation would be verily, very, verily, verily, verily similar to an action. Um third the third option of a remedy they might try and solve the situation in some way um and and fourth assess it so in that situation it could be to identify the safest area um 
in that kind of a situation, what what the AI constraint does is for that one little moment, it directs the character to to act in a certain way to to having made a that they've made a an on the fly decision for better or for worse so that in my mind is a is a variable is a variable constraint which which might play to your advantage or might play to your disadvantage now as jason pointed out in the last episode it works for some systems and not for others. Those four categories would work better for some systems or situations than for others. But what it, what it, what I think it does in, especially in games where the GM is not just simply out to trash the players, but it's more like a process of frustrating them, that the game itself frustrates the players, that there's a friction between the agency, the activities of the players and the characters and the uh, the world play, as I've decided I want to call it, that they're conducting. Um, and that to me, that to me is very interesting. So, so in that situation, the character who is trying to remedy the falling rocks, that's, that's challenging, but it's not incompatible and it's not impossible. And clearly, simply landing a giant rock on their head is not any kind of reward for such uh, quick dynamic thinking in response to the remedy. That said, in any game, in any system, the rocks start tumbling. You then start to have to do uh, checks to see if you're dexterous enough, etc., etc. And what happens if you fail your dex? Well, you get smacked on the head by a big rock. So, in my mind, the AI constraint doesn't get in the way of any of those more established uh, activities the familiarity it's just a kind of flips it round a little bit so colin is absolutely on it there and i love the way that he just um yeah reminds us how we might already be using those kinds of constraints anyway but but then also how he inadvertently perhaps is is widening out the scope of what that idea of the constraints mean the you know the limitations of sorry the constraints of limitation and the constraints of possibility and again you know I was a little bit worried in my episode a couple back on the AI constraint that then I was coming down too hard on constraints of limitation and actually I don't think I was but I think it's worth underlining that constraints of limitation have their place they have a clarity and a finality to them they stop things or they define things whereas the constraints of possibility just open stuff up open 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 trigger 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 um so that's that's really good um i've got two more really interesting call-ins and i'm going to start with josh 
Beckelheimer. Hey, Josh Beckelheimer here. So I just listened to your latest episode of your Hammer Horror and going into the details of the game mechanics. And Pete called in about Powered by the Apocalypse game Scream. And I think your mechanics of the um, roll in the 1d6 and they have the action, reaction, assess, and remedy of the, um, you know, the situation or whatever. Um, I think it will work great with Powered by the Apocalypse because on a failed roll, that's when the GM slash director can say cut and do their director notes of saying, you know, I don't like the action that you're doing here. How about, I feel like your character would really assess the situation. And then instead of anything bad happening to them, it just completely changes what their direction is. And now they got to do something completely different. That is such a fantastic suggestion. I think it's so great. Um, So that's really, really set my mind thinking about how to, yeah, how to integrate the AI constraint mechanic into the Hammer game. Um, It's really nice how you've got this, uh, which, which, as I understand it, comes from Powered by the Apocalypse. You've got this, you've got this failure baked in. So the players can fail on their checks, but a failure doesn't mean failure in that sense. It moves into another zone and this zone where the game master then intervenes. Um, that's really great. And the way that Josh talks about how then the that's the director asking for a retake is so fascinating and compelling. The problem is, the problem for the game mechanic is that the, 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 the events charted through the AI, as far as I was thinking about them so far, is that they, that they operate within the story, within the script of the film. So it's not necessarily a moment to to break that and have a retake that where the where the director asks for a change uh a new a new performance because because that points to so that the fail the failure the failure there the the failed role breaks the the world play of the film the the script of the film which i love i love that but so far that doesn't fit in with what i was thinking because the failure or the or the limited successes that i was that i was imagining would happen within within the story now so so basically that's just such a really good idea that blows my mind in terms of the structure I was thinking of and I'm going to have to think about it more 
and it might be that that just it just takes a bit more time than we have before we start the games to to really factor that in but it is such a juicy juicy idea of of having these moments that break that break the uh the homogeneity of the of the play world however only doing so back to the level of the actor personas and the making of the film and not out of the game to the purely mechanical level if you like or to the level of the the players so really a really really nice bit of food for thought there thank you josh no less mind-blowing is this contribution from Goblin's Henchman, where he talks about how the AI and the mooted hammer horror points system could be crafted using his uh, Hexflower game engine models. Hi Barney, it's Goblin's Henchman here. Um, recent listener, listen to your last two podcasts, um, all, and and all this talk of AI did make me wonder. Although it's possibly a bit late in the day, of using um, a Hexflower game engine to track your AI. Now, if you don't know about the concept, uh, Hexflower game engines are a bit like a random table with a memory. So you might be able to engineer your AI to um, be responsive to whatever happened in the last scenario. Um, which also t- takes me to the other point. Now, you talked about, was it Hammer and Horrors, kind of tracking an almost an insanity-type mechanic? Well, I've always thought a Hexflower game engine would make an excellent uh, tracker for insanity in C- Call of Cthulhu-type situations, where the, 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 there's a drift towards uh, one, one position or other, depending on uh, what your players have experienced, and you can introduce modifiers. So once you get to, the say, the top of the Hexflower, you go insane, or in your case, get taken out by the vampire. Anyway, just a thought for you. Cheers, fella. By thunder, I'm struggling to keep up with this slew of crunchy contributions. My mind is suffering extremely. Given that I've included four call-ins, it could well be that I've done this episode faster than real time. So that's it. Or actually, that could just be complete nonsense. <laughs>